We're in Acts chapters 10 to 12 this morning, and I want to just kind of uh, think with you, think, have you think with me this morning a little bit about the concept of prayer. And, and what I want to do is I actually, and I, I didn't really tell Dale this, but I want to go to uh, the, the second to the last slide. It's the, the Philippians 4, 6, and 7 with a message. If you could throw that up behind me, and then we'll go back in a minute. But uh, before we start, I wanted to finish with this idea of the greatest thing that happened in the book of Acts was God unleashed the power of the Holy Spirit amongst his people. And amazing things began to happen. They began to see... Uh, Hurts healed and needs met and situations taken care of and and sin forgiven and all these powerful things were sweeping across the country where people began to see this, this promise that Jesus had shared and given to his apostles that was made real. One of the things that that I know I struggle with, that, I, that maybe some of you struggle with, is sometimes the area of what I call displaced worry, where it isn't anything I'm going to control. It isn't anything I have any hope to do, but I, I worry about it, and it begins to affect who I am and what I do. And so what I want you to catch this morning is we, we, we were going to finish our time. We're going to start our time with this concept from the message that I, that I wrote for you here, and it says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That's where I want to go this morning because I believe that that as we see God at work through his people in the early church, we begin to see some amazing things happen. But I look at a great group of people this morning and realize that there are things that we continually pray about that we worry about. I heard a great story this week that I'm going to share with you, and it would have been at the closing of my message, it's the beginning, because I want this to be kind of a, a foundation for where we go. But a friend of our family's had prayed for his dad for 40 years. His dad is 90 years old. And for the last 40 years, you know, he, they would get together, and he would share little things, and there had been some, some kind of a, a Christian perspective early on, but never really emphasized a lot. And a few years back, uh, our, our friend's mother died, and... and uh, about two weeks ago, his dad said, hey, would you take me to, let's go see uh, my wife's gravesite. So they, uh, they got in the car, and they, they drove two hours from where they were, picked up his dad, took him to the, the gravesite. And as they were standing there, the Lord just kind of reminded him to, to look at his dad and say, you know, mom's in heaven. And if you know him in a personal way, uh, you could be there with him, with her. And his dad said, you know what? Why don't you talk to me about it? So right there, at that very moment, he led his dad to the Lord. The next day, he got a text from his dad. He said, it's the happiest day of my life. And I share that with you this morning because, first of all, another soul is in the kingdom. That's awesome. But there are people that you and I pray for all the time that we have displaced worry about, and we forget the fact that God loves us. no matter. He's 90. He could be in heaven tomorrow. But he came to know the Lord. If there are people that you are carrying a burden for this morning that you are so concerned about, I want you to take that story and rejoice and say, God, you've got a plan for me. You've got power that can, that can bring your love into this situation. Because guess what? We live in a world that needs to see people come to know Jesus, and we're seeing it on a daily basis. This weekend, we saw two tragedies along with many other things. And at some point, if we can say, you know what? 
My goal is to take the people that I love the most and share God's love with them and begin to ask him just to, to powerfully reach into their lives. We will begin to change the world one person at a time. That sounds so trite this morning. And you and I have heard that all of our lives, but I, I see it more today needed than ever before. And it starts with us seeing God work. I, I, I just like that. So as we come into our, uh, our, our 10th through 12th chapters of Acts, we begin to see that, that there's, some, there's some amazing things going on. Life is a challenge. So many needs are represented. So many areas are cropping up in the early church, and the power of God through His Holy Spirit is starting to reach every one of those needs. Are you sitting here this morning thinking that your need is unique? That what you carry, that what you struggle with, that what you are, are fighting is something that he says that everybody who believes in him will have everlasting life. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin. That all happens. And I want to use that as a, just kind of a, a promise this morning. And, and so it's important for me to see that. Our message this morning deals with that very familiar topic, prayer. And for me, when I hear about prayer, I think about words like fear. I need to talk with God, but I'm afraid of Him. Doubt. It's not going to matter anyway. Why would I pray? Guilt. I haven't been talking with God enough at all. He doesn't really know who I am. Or even, it's so formal to me. I, don't, I feel uncomfortable to kind of, you know, God, I'm coming before you. He's such a, a personal God. It's important. Richard Foster wrote Celebration of Discipline. And I, I want to share with you this morning five misconceptions of prayer real quickly as we use that as a foundation. The first one is the notion that prayer mainly involves asking things from God. The main function of prayer is a growing, perpetual communion with God. That's what you and I need to see. It's not the fact that all we have to do is ask Him for things. There's this communion that happens. The second misconception is the view that prayer must always be a struggle. And he says the most frequent experience during prayer is one of lightness and joy and comfort and serenity. He even wrote even laughter at times. The third misconception, the idea that we live in a closed universe, that everything is fixed. So why pray? 1 Corinthians 3.9 tells us we are fellow workers with God, and we are there to share and to pray and to lift our burdens for our friends, our loved ones, and our family. Number four, the fear that our faith will crumble if our prayers are not answered the first time every time. That's a misconception. So if you begin to worry about it and say, man, it, it didn't happen, you know, and then we just we quit praying, he, that's, that's something that he, he reminds us is not true. And then number five, prayer is the common teaching. Pray once. Any more than that shows a lack of faith. And he writes, inner healing comes from, from times with God as we seek his direction and his answer repeatedly. John Piper says this, prayer is God's delight because it shows the reaches of his grace. And as you begin to realize that this morning, again, imagine I'm, I'm going to prepare my message and say we're going to talk about prayer. Everybody knows about prayer. We all utilize prayer. We do it in different ways. We do it in times of, of trouble. We do it in times of praise. We do it in times of uncertainty. There's all these things going on. But as I look this morning and I look at it in the book of Acts, and I begin to see that we are seeing this power begin to change people one person at a time. And that's my prayer for you and I. That we begin to understand what prayer means. We begin to understand it's so important for us to, to not give up and not to have these, this, these, mis, these notions that are misconceived so we can begin to see God again work in and through us. We start moving into the, the 10th through the 12th chapter. The first thing that I want to remind you of, there were three times of prayer that in those days they followed very importantly and very regularly. 
9 o'clock a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. They called it regular prayer, regular times of prayer. My first question is, what are my regular times of prayer? Are my regular times of prayer when I'm hurting or when I'm sad or when I am happy? Or do I have specific times in my day where it's my regular time? These guys were amazing, these guys and gals. It was 9 o'clock, it was noon, and it was 3 o'clock. No matter what they were doing, they had regular prayer every day of their lives. No matter what they were doing. It might be work. It might be they just set aside that time. And here's what I think happened. They begin to develop a pattern of prayer. The first thing you see here is the regularity of prayer. Develop a pattern of prayer. Acts 10, 1 through 8. I, I took three verses this morning, and I want to share those with you. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. And we're kind of joining a story here after Paul had, well, Saul had been seen the, the bright light, and he was blinded, and there were some things that he needed to do. We talked about how Ananias came in and shared the, the group of Christians were upside down because the very things that they held important were torn apart by what happened to Paul. And so now he's, God's trying to put together these pieces, and he starts to talk to these people who are going to help bridge a gap between the Jewish and the Gentile people, saying that God is for all. Huge, huge step. That's why we're here. Most of us are Gentiles. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his, all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. Now, I stopped there this morning to share with you, these are regular times of prayer. He also gave regularly. I like that part. I should probably mention that, but I, I'm not going to take much time because we're talking about prayer. See the lifestyle of following Christ? He not only prayed, but he heard from God. I want you to realize today that, that we have the ability, as we get comfortable and familiar with talking to God, and it becomes a part of our lives, and it's a regular part of what we do, there's this, there's this familiarity with God, and we don't have to worry about, man, I'm coming in front of this holy God, and I'm not sure he's... You just talk to him. You just feel comfortable. You just feel warm and loved, and, and it's just a natural thing. You've got to get into a regular habit. And as you do that, you begin to sense his working in your life, in and through you. He starts sharing things with you. He starts revealing things with you, not maybe in an audible voice, but maybe people come up and you go, wow, that's exactly the message I needed to hear from God. The more we pray, the more we hear from God. We develop a great relationship with Him, and as we get more and more comfortable, we learn from and hear from Him. How familiar are you with God's presence today? Is it something you can share and say, I, I, you know, I want to just share with you. One of the things I enjoyed about the church service at Rancho Santa Marta, they do a lot of praying, they do a lot of sharing. We, are, we understood nothing of it. I've told you before, it's about my 40th time there. I only know a couple Spanish words. My wife knows a lot more Spanish. She wasn't with me. But it was so fun to have this little person or this adult stand up and pray, and, and, and it was just a natural part of their worship service. How, how familiar are you with God's presence? And is it a part of your life where you can say, you know what, I realize that I need to do a regular time of prayer in my life. And the second part under that, number one, is devote yourself to prayer, which is Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It takes commitment to build a regular prayer life. Again, this is the, the book of Acts. This is the early church. This is a group of people who are deciding and striving and realizing what it means to live for God, and they're trying to do everything they can. And so one of the things that they begin to see is a regular time of prayer. I almost call this first point the routine of prayer, but I feel like the word routine kind of takes a negative connotation. But it is a routine. It, it's something, and I'm looking at a gr the greatest group of people that I know. And I know that there are some phenomenal prayer warriors out here. 
So you understand the commitment and the importance of regular times of prayer. I'm also looking at some of you today who are at a point in your life where you need to come back to the regular times of prayer. I'm going to look at my wife so nobody thinks I'm looking at anybody else. And you know that you're not praying the way you should. And it's important for you to catch that. Thanks for laughing, dear. <laughs> Second thing I see this morning is this, the response during prayer. And again, these are simple titles, but, but they begin to build out in this, and we're going to get to the, the third story in just a minute. Pray for an answer. Acts 10, verses 30 to 35, Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you, of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what's right. Cornelius was seeking the Lord and got an answer that he maybe didn't want to hear, but he took action. Expect God to answer it may not always be the one you thought of, but something, expect his answer. So don't just go through the motions this morning and say, got to pray, here we go. I'm going to say this little prayer I know. Expect an answer. My question to myself is, am I afraid of his answer? As I'm praying, I'm afraid he's going to do what, what I know he should. The other one I wrote was pray for his reply, and I put this in Acts 11, 4 and 5. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in the trance I saw a vision. I'm building with you this morning the ability to be so familiar with God that you will hear from Him in, in a variety of ways, a way that's known to you. For me, sometimes people speak truth into my life. Uh, earlier, a week ago, I asked the Lord to, to bring people into the lives of those I loved outside of the realm of me, and I've gotten three responses of people who the Lord has laid on it just to pray for that specific request. I love it. And that's just becoming familiar with who God is and what he wants to do. It seems like these are regular occurrences. Imagine how awesome it is that it would be to get all kinds of replies as you pray and talk to God. Maybe you do, and that's also awesome. What are you and I expecting when we pray? Now we come to my favorite, one of my favorite stories of the Bible. I'm going to show you a quick video, and you're going to like this. This is Peter at a big time in his life, and the church is praying. Here we go. We'll see what, how it goes. Hey kids, have you ever been bullied by someone? Doesn't really feel very good, does it? Did you know there are Christians all around the world that get bullied because they believe in Jesus? Well, it's true, and the Bible says we should pray for those people. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. Let's look at a story about Peter. King Herod threw Peter in prison. The adult word for when people bully Christians is persecution. And back in Peter's day, it happened a lot. And so Peter was thrown in jail under lots of guards because King Herod didn't like that he was a Christian. The whole time, Christians were praying for Peter. Then something amazing happened. God sent an angel to rescue Peter. There was a big flash of light, and an angel appeared in Peter's cell, and his chains fell off. The angel told him to get up and follow him. Peter and the angel walked right past the guards and out of the city without anybody noticing. Wow, how incredible. So what do you think Peter did? Peter told believers that God answers prayers. 
As soon as he left the city, he went straight to meet some of his Christian friends. And then when they got there, they couldn't believe it. They were so excited to see Peter out of jail. He told them how he had escaped and how it was only possible because of their prayer. So kids, what does this mean for all of us? We should pray for Christians who are persecuted. Just like the people in the story prayed for Peter when he was being persecuted. We should pray for the Christians all around the world who are being persecuted today. God will answer our prayers and help them. Every verse. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. So kids, remember that there are Christians all over the world that are being bullied because they believe in Jesus. And remember, just like Peter, they need your prayers. Video with uh, a Trailblazers t-shirt, that's all I'm just telling you. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Let me finish by talking to you about this story, just in, in my perspective as we wrap it up. So, Dale, don't worry about the outline. The thing I like about this story in Acts chapter 12 is this. Here was Peter in, a dire, in, in dire straits. He had a lot of problems, man. He was in prison. He was just doing what God told him to do. He had the love of Christ in his heart. He was trying to share this message, and he got thrown in prison. So a group of people got together and decided, let's pray, and let's ask God to deliver Peter from prison. If you read through the whole passage, it's Acts 12, 1 through 17, you begin to see that uh, the first thing was they, re- they recognized the need to pray, which is good. You and I can recognize the need to pray. But what I especially like about this is what happened. You saw in this wonderful video how Peter was, the chains were taken off of him. He was released from prison. He went by the soldiers. He goes to the house where the prayer meeting is. He, he, he comes to himself and realizes, man, God did a miracle in my life, which at least, you know, Peter made that step. He goes to the house, he knocks on the door, and Rhoda, one of the girls that's there, opens the door and sees it's Peter and closes the door and goes and tells the people praying here, Peter's outside. No, no, it's not him. That's how we pray sometimes. Are we just going through the motions? Are we just saying, you know, God, they actually asked God to release Peter from prison and save his life, and he did it, and they didn't believe him. So the part I like is, and Peter, still standing there knocking, I mean, he, he gets the door closed in his face. He, he's a part of this miracle. He sees God deliver him, but what happens is they don't recognize that God's in the miracle business. I want to challenge you, and I want to challenge me this morning to come back into the arena of when we pray, we expect the power of God to be evident in what we pray about. You're not hearing me say that it's going to be exactly the answer we ask for, but we're expecting an answer. I want to encourage you today like the early church, to see the need, to pray for it, but then not to respond the way they did when God delivered or gave them their answer. My first question to you this morning is this. What answer is so obviously in front of you today that you've asked God to give you that you've missed it? And I'm asking myself the same thing. Sometimes I step back, and in just my quiet time, I say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? What are you showing me? Because I might be missing it. The second question I ask for you today is, what are you asking God for? Are you asking him only for even that, mis- that misconceived notion of just giving things, just asking for things? Or are you saying, God, help me grow deeper. Help me to develop into more of a, a person that, that has a, a character that, that reflects your love, that begins to show you who you are. The third, third area I see this morning is this. 
How's your faith as you pray? Is it something where you really aren't sure what God's going to do? You know this is a big issue. You know he's got to deliver it in your life. But there's this doubt inside of you, and you never really cross that threshold of saying, God, I want to work through this doubt. Acts 10, Acts 11, and Acts 12. They take stories about people who are regularly praying, who are seeking God in a very specific way, and they're seeing God work in a powerful way, ways that they never thought would happen. The Gentiles becoming a part of Christianity was a huge life-changing experience for everybody because God chose the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And he chose them to be his favored people. And he chose them to, to share the message of love to a world. And the world rejected that. So he sent his son, Jesus. And when Jesus came, he changed that covenant. And he gave us love and peace and joy and forgiveness and happiness and purpose. And an ability to repent and to have our lives changed. And suddenly he now gives them this message coming specifically through a man who was out, who was a very, very staunch Pharisee who came to share the message of God loving all people. And he used Peter, and he used Ananias, and he used Cornelius. He began to take the leaders of the church and say, you come around this message, and you watch how it's going to change people. What are you looking for God to change in your life? Who are you looking God to take his power and love and to reach out to them? Because as you have the ability, you'll begin to see that, that he has a plan, and he has a purpose. And as we came this morning, that's why I started with the verse out of Philippians 4 from the message, to displace the worry that's at the center of our lives. Let's pray together as we conclude. Lord, thank you this morning for who you are in our lives. Thank you for the chance today to come and do all kinds of things, to, to read scripture on a board and to react, to take things that we, we struggle with and to give them to you and see them go away, to to see our church family come together in, a, in pieces of a puzzle, unified. To know that you love us, that you have attributes that we can rejoice in. To know that you're with us. Lord, through your Holy Spirit this morning, would you speak to each person? Speak to us in a way that we can take action and see you at work. The power of prayer can change lives. Thanks, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.